With an encouraging word on how secure we really are as believers in Jesus, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Not by your thoughts and your emotions and your works, but as a believer, you're kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. That word kept, if you want to circle it, you can write next to it the words guarded or fortressed. You get the picture of a large fortress of which you and I are inside, guarded and protected with the gates locked. This is amazing grace. There are some things in life that are important, but what is most important? Is it not the salvation of our eternal soul? Since eternity is at stake, we ought to be certain. Can we be? We certainly can, and we'll hear how today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're making our way through Romans one verse at a time. Chapter 11 outlines the role of faith and God's great power in saving Jew and Gentiles alike. Here to take us deeper into this critically important scripture is Pastor Ed. When you think of salvation, don't immediately try to dismiss the love of Jesus Christ because of those that are following him, because we're still very imperfect people. There's still many ups and downs. I mean, there's still dumb things that come out of our mouths. There's still times where we don't follow through, or whatever it might be. But oh, how good God is to encourage us and help us through these issues. See, the thing with a Christian, though, about those issues in our lives, you know what the difference is now is that we actually notice them and we care and we like run to the throne room of God and ask for forgiveness. You're like, oh, I just got busted on being a hypocrite, Lord. And just saying that word, I'm a hypocrite. It's a lot easier to say you're a hypocrite, right? Right? Isn't it easier? I'm not pointing at you, but isn't it easier? <laughs> But to come into a prayer closet and say, I'm a hypocrite, you know what you'll find? You'll find grace and help in time of need. God will bless your heart. So you believers, is there security for you? Or are you afraid of being cut off? Let me tell you, I believe there's security for you in Jesus Christ. Would you flip over to 1 Peter chapter 1 with me? 1 Peter, I got to be careful where I point, huh? Because sometimes that pointing just might be the Holy Spirit. <laughs> 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's pick up in verse 3. Peter, with all the faults and failures that this brother had, he understood the security that he had in Jesus. It says, Blessed be the God. This is 1 Peter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. I mean, isn't that great? That alone. It's like God is doing all this work for you. He is keeping you now, verse 5, by the power of God. You are kept not by your thoughts and your emotions and your works, but as a believer, you're kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. That word kept, if you want to circle it, you can write next to it the words guarded or fortressed. 
You get the picture of a large fortress of which you and I are inside, guarded and protected with the gates locked in relation to our salvation. You can jot this one down in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. It says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Therefore, the righteous run to it and are safe. The name of the Lord is still a strong tower today, and the righteous run into it and safe. You can jot this one down as well. Psalm 91, verse 14, it says, Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him, and I will set him on high, because he has known my name. Psalm 125, verse 2, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. And you can know that you're saved, and you can know that you're secure. You can be sure. Jump ahead to verse 23 real quick before we go back to Romans. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, you can be sure that the seed of salvation has been implanted in you. It's imperishable. doesn't fade away. He says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. You have an imperishable new life as a Christian. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, you have been born again, not with human effort, not with a human try, not with giving it the old college try to get saved. You have been saved because of your simple faith and the extraordinary power of God. Your simple faith and the extraordinary. We get it backwards sometimes. So I'm saved by my extraordinary faith and God's power. (laughs) And it leads to a really messed up Christian life, doesn't it? Because you find out your faith isn't all that extraordinary, given the right temptations, given the right circumstances, given the right worldly triggers, you find out that, well, your faith isn't that strong after all. causes you to run in and say, Lord, I need more of your strength today. I can't get through this. Paul had that thorn in his side. He cries out three times, take it away, take it away. And I love the answer from heaven. You want to hear answers from heaven, you know, especially when there's thorns in your side. He says, you know what, Paul, you're not going to live life without that thorn. It's yours forever. Paraphrasing. He says, it's all yours. I'm not taking it away. And by the way, every time you think of that thorn, I just want you to know something. When you're weak, you're weak, Paul. And I can go, Paul, I'm weak, I'm weak, I'm weak. Yo, you're weak? You're struggling? Well, just let me let you know. That's the best place to be so that I might show myself strong on your behalf. The weaker you are, the more God shows himself strong. The more you start grabbing, more I start grabbing things to myself and figuring things out, the less I give God an opportunity to show up in a crazy, mighty way with his power. So he gets all the glory. So remember, that's your simple faith, but it's God's extraordinary power. So why, again, would verse 22 be inserted? I think it's evangelistic. I think it's a reminder of our security. It's a great encouragement to test ourselves whether we're in the faith or not. But I also think God's intention here is one more thing, and that is, it's very simple. Nothing in this world, nothing in this world is worth turning from Jesus Christ. Nothing. Nothing in this world. I don't care how pretty it is, how attractive it is, how much it promises hope and fun and excitement. Nothing. Let me show you in Matthew chapter 16. Would you flip over there? Matthew chapter 16. There's nothing in this world that will satisfy you. Those deep longings in your life. There's people running to and fro, aren't they? Every day of this week trying to be satisfied. Trying to find that satisfaction. There was countless 
countless thousands of people in Denver last night out partying. They were at the bars, they were at a party in someone's house, there were high schoolers gathering together because the parents were out of town, and they all think, you know, this is life. This is the way it is. This is great. I'm so wonderful. But this morning, they're so miserable, waking up in their own vomit, wondering what happened last night. How did I get here? Waking up in jail. Waking up with the thought, now I need to go make a doctor's appointment because I wonder if I got some sexually transmitted disease. Oh, that's the life, isn't it? Woo-hoo. For those of you that have been there, you know that's no life at all. It's death. It brings death. It brings a sense of dissatisfaction, which only makes them run out again to try to find satisfaction. And it's this endless cycle. It doesn't even have to be some big party atmosphere. You might be of the personal, you might have this personality where you're an introvert and your party, your party is a party of one. And you're just so messed up that you just drink yourself into oblivion or you'll take those meds or you'll snort that Coke or whatever you choose to do because you have a party of one and you think, oh, this is the life, this is the life, but it's not the life. True life is found in Jesus Christ. He himself said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am what? The life. That's where true life is. True life is in the Lord. Look at Matthew chapter 16. I think that it's a reminder to us today. Pick up in verse 24, would you? Jesus is speaking to his disciples here and he says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And then verse 26 is very important. He says, for what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And being in the ministry for the years that God has blessed me with, I have seen a lot of people give up their soul for nothing. The price of a soul these days is nothing. Very little. You would think it would be, well, if you gave me a million dollars, I'll sign the deal with the devil, you know? Give me a couple million dollars, I'll sell my soul to the devil. But these days, it's nothing. Not even close. And I'm here, and I think Paul, would, if he was here, he would say the same thing as he's writing to us. He says, listen, I just want you to know that I've experienced God's love. And I want you to as well. Jew and Gentile alike. Back in Romans now, as we wind down, verse 25. There's the goodness of God, yes. And there's the severity of God. And he's given you the opportunity to be saved to receive the salvation of your soul. But the severity of God is the judgment of God, that he won't just wink at sin. It's not going to be at the end, well, everybody gets in. There's really, I sent Jesus for no big reason. Everybody gets in, every religion, anybody that said that any time in their life that I believe in God, everybody gets in. That's not true. Only those that place their faith in the Messiah enter into the presence of God. Look at verse 25, Romans chapter 11. He says, For I do not desire, brethren that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. That hardening in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And now in between verse 22 and verse 25, with this in mind, notice, and they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, which is another way of saying repent, if they repent, they'll be grafted in. Because God is able to graft them in again. 
For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature in a good olive tree, how much more, there's that phrase again, how much more will these, who are the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? And it's hope after hope after hope after hope on the very hinge of faith. And there's a word in verse 25. Now notice, he says at the end, that blindness in part, now that's important, it's not full, complete blindness, it's in part, has happened to Israel, and then the word until. Until. There's a timing here. And this blindness has happened in part, not everyone, because many Jews believe, has happened as a large nation until this event takes place. It's called the fullness of the Gentiles. And we're looking forward to the fullness of the Gentiles coming in. God hasn't closed the door all the way. Israel's rejected, yes, but they can and will repent. So what is this fullness of the Gentiles? I, this is so cool. For you note-takers, jot this down. This is so neat. The fullness of the Gentiles. It refers to this number of Gentile believers. You know, there is in the heart of God, in the mind of God, in his foreknowledge and in his omniscience, he knows the fullness of the number of Gentiles that will believe. He knows when that will end. We don't know. We have no idea, so we go out and continue to evangelize and share the gospel because we don't know, but we want to know when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. That full number, that last Gentile that says, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation of my soul. When that last Gentile gives their life to Jesus Christ, a whole lot of neat things begin. God knows when it is. He understands it. And when that last Gentile is saved, the rapture of the church takes place. The great tribulation begins. You want the rapture to happen, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> the great tribulation period begins. God turns his attention to the nation of Israel. All the events unfold in Revelation. And then the Antichrist is raised up and taken down. And then Jesus Christ returns at the end of the seven-year great tribulation period to rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years. After the fullness of the Gentile, all this stuff starts to begin. And so, I'm always reminded when this phrase is mentioned, if you're the last Gentile, <laughs> would you please respond? <laughs> I mean, what are you waiting for? Well, I'll just meet the second service and Saturday night in the air, and that's it. It's over. Now, there is a difference and a distinction in the Bible between the fullness of the Gentiles and the times of the Gentiles. You need to know this. Flip over to Luke real quick, Luke chapter 21. I want to show you the difference between the fullness of the Gentiles re representing a full number of Gentile believers, the entirety. God knew the first Gentile believer and the last Gentile believer and all of them in between. That's the fullness but then there's this phrase in Luke's gospel, chapter 21. I don't want you to be confused. These two phrases refer to two entirely different things. Luke chapter 21, verse 21. Well, we'll pick up in verse 20. Now, those of you, just as a side note, those of you that have New King James Bibles in your hands, I want you to notice, look at the number 20 in your Bible. Do you see that it's a little darker than the rest of the numbers? You guys see that? Okay, so... What the translators are trying to do here is let you know that this begins a new paragraph. 
Now, those of you that are familiar with the NIV, they don't have this because the NIV is spread out in paragraphs. So you can tell very easily. It's a new paragraph, new paragraph, new paragraph. Whereas this New King James, they attempted to be a lot more literal in their translation of the Greek and the Hebrew. And so they just did it line by line by line. But to help us see the paragraphs, they emboldened the numbers because you want to know where the paragraph is and where the thought is. And so when you see that in your New King James, you'll see, well, that's just a new paragraph. Okay? So that was just a little side bonus there, a little extra for you, just so you know how to use your Bibles. Verse 20. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies and know that its desolation is near, then let those in Judea flee to the mountains, let those who are in the midst of her depart, and let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. Verse 24. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So we've seen the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Now, Jesus is speaking of the times of the Gentiles being fulfilled. This refers to something totally different than what we've already seen. The times of the Gentiles has to do with the non-Jewish rule around the temple in Jerusalem. Beginning in 586 B.C., in 586 B.C., when Nebuchadnezzar took the Judean Jews captive, began this times of the Gentiles. And after that, there's been a succession of people ruling over Jerusalem. And remember back in Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar was given a dream. And we studied through Daniel. If you want to grab the studies, we went through it verse by verse. Great, great study. As Nebuchadnezzar came with the dream, Daniel was given the interpretation. And what the interpretation was, was a succession of kingdoms and rulers that would rule over that area. It began with Babylon, then the Persians would come, then the Greeks would come, then the Romans would come. Do you know if you went today to the Temple Mount area, you see pictures of the Temple Mount? Do you know there's not a temple there? Have you noticed? Never had a temple rebuilt yet. But when you do look at pictures of the Temple Mount, or you're there in person, you see it with your own eyes, there's a big gold domed building. You ever see that? The Dome of the Rock, the Mosque of Omar, sits right on the Temple Mount where the Temple of God belongs. If you go there today, there's not a Jewish flag on the Temple Mount flying because the times of the Gentiles are not over. Gentiles are still ruling the Temple Mount today. But there is coming a day where the Jews will rebuild their temple. There is the Temple Institute in Jerusalem today that have all the elements all of the uh, garb and the clothing ready. The training is going on for the priest to be prepared for animal sacrifice again in a rebuilt temple. You can go there and see it with your own eyes. Amazing. And the times of the Gentiles will end when Jesus Christ rules and reigns right there from the Temple Mount. Amazing things that are going on. Even though today... The third most holiest side of the Muslims stands right there. Hmm. So this beautiful truth of the Gentiles being grafted in, it's glorious. The wild olive tree, the rebellious ones, the ones that didn't really care about God until he exploded in your heart. You and I, we've been grafted into the family of God and we're bearing fruit for the kingdom. And even though as a nation the Jews have rejected their Messiah, they will repent. And until then, individual people are being saved 
both Jew and Gentile, even today. And we stand as a congregation again with the proclamation of God's word again, with our Bibles open again, gaining knowledge and information spiritually and doctrinally and theologically again, and the call of salvation goes out again. It's continual, isn't it? It's a continual call from God to you. And who are you? You know. Who are you that are distant from God? You know. Who are you that have yet to been born again? You know. Who are you that have, although you may not have, like you may be in this place where you say, I'm not really against God. I, I don't, I'm not really battling God. The reality is you are. The truth is you are. As good of a person as you might be, and we appreciate you being good. We need a lot more good people in the world today. Let me tell you, friend, you're never going to be good enough to deserve salvation from God. And Jesus Christ came as the perfect sacrifice to take you as a good person and make you even gooder. <laughs> you know, as a Christian, you won't be less good, you'll be more good. As you begin to do all of your good deeds in the name of Jesus Christ now, and now the goodness in your life actually draws people to the goodness of God. It's a great way to live your life. It's a great way to live the life that God has intended for you. Judgment is real. Hell is real. Jesus is real. And so is His grace. Receive Him today. Take it in. Be grafted in as a wild olive tree into the very family of God. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor inviting those who have yet to believe to do so now. If that describes you, cry out to the Lord who died and rose again to save you, and He will. Then let us know. That would bring a smile to us here at Abounding Grace. You can email us at AboundingGraceRadio.com. That's our web address. Pastor Ed, you mentioned the Jews are planning to rebuild the temple, but if the Temple Mount is controlled by the Muslim Gentiles and will be until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled, how will they be able to do so? Larry, that's a great question, and there's a couple of ideas that we have biblically that would make it possible for the temple to be rebuilt even under Jordanian rule. And that the most fascinating one, of course, is what the Antichrist does in the last days to bring about that peace treaty that's promised. He's going to bring about peace, according to the scriptures, for three and a half years. Uh, there's going to to be a miraculously looking situation that fulfills prophecy where the Antichrist brings together and arranges in some way. Like, and here's the thing about it, like in our thinking today, we cannot conceive of how that can possibly happen. If anything happened to the Dome of the Rock or the Al-Aqsa Mosque there on the Temple Mount today, the, the, the world would erupt in World War III, no doubt. However, the Antichrist comes on the scene prior to the Great Tribulation period, uh, already alive, of course, probably working behind the scenes, working in back channels, bringing about a, an agreement that would uh, allow the fulfillment of prophecy. Now, of course, if you go to Israel with us, uh, Lord willing, we'll be going again in 2021, uh, we will take you to an interesting little stop in the old city of Jerusalem in the Jewish quarter called the, the Temple Institute. And this is a group of zealous 
uh, Jewish religious uh, men and women that are committed to the rebuilding of the temple, and they have all the elements already prepared for the split-second allowance for that temple to be rebuilt. It's fascinating. But however it is, uh, the reality of the Antichrist role in it is very important and very biblical. Excellent thoughts there. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. If you enjoyed the message, hear it again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through our app. You can search for that in the App Store or Google Play. Just look for Calvary Aurora. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to bringing the truths of God's Word to the radio every day. But we can't do it alone. We look to our listeners to help us provide these daily studies. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, we'll send you A Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards. We've all been hurt by the words or actions of another, but when it comes from another Christian, that can be really hard to handle. A Tale of Three Kings will lead you to God's hope and healing for times like these. You'll be comforted as you read A Tale of Three Kings, too. So order a copy right now by calling us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.